Hallelujah. He's a good God, is he not? Come on, give him one more praise. Come on, give him one more praise. Mm. We thank the Lord for that beautiful selection. Hallelujah. For that worship experience. Amen. Now let's dig into his word just a little bit. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, get your Bibles. Grab your PDAs. Remain, remain standing if you can. Come on, remain standing. Y'all are young folk. You're not tired. You've been energized by the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. Amen, amen. Matthew chapter number six. Matthew's gospel chapter number six. We're going to start reading in verse number 28. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. So why do you worry about clothing? (laughs) Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The Father is speaking to you this morning. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things shall, shall be added unto you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, for your glory, God, we go into your word today. Heaven and earth will pass away, but one thing that will always remain is your word. It is feeding time, Lord God. You said, Lord, that you're the bread of life. If any man is hungry, let him eat. If any man thirsts, let him drink. God, we come this morning to drink and to have our feel this morning of your word. Father, we sang your praises. We've given you the glory. You lift up our hands. Now, Lord, speak to us, oh God. Your servants are listening because, Lord, we hunger for your word today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Good morning. Wow, this was amazing. How many just really do love the Lord? Amen? Amen. The Lord is, he is just so good, and we just thank him so much. We are continuing our series today, and we are in part two of our series of Money Matters. For those who were here last week, we really drove home the point that God owns it all. Say that with me. God owns it all. Say it one more time. God owns it all. 
And it's important that we get that into our spirit because everything that I say regarding this series, as we talk about money, if you don't get that principle, nothing else will really make sense to you. We have to understand that not only does God own it all, but how many know that he called us to steward over his stuff? That simply means that God called us to manage his resources. And I want to put a a, a underline, I want to underscore his resources because they truly do belong to him. So we're going to continue today and we're going to be talking about kingdom priority. Kingdom priority. One of the things that get me so excited uh, as I read the Bible and I study the word kingdom, uh, you know, you discover what the next life is going to look like. Jesus, oftentimes, he gave parables, he gave references to what the kingdom of God is like. And if you're saved like me, and I believe that you are, you get excited about it. So there's nothing like the kingdom, amen? The kingdom of God is why we live. It's why we breathe. It's why we have our being. Investing is something that all Americans are aware of. How many of you love to invest in the stock market? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole economy, everybody pays attention at the stock market. And what investors are always looking to do, they always are looking for some place to invest their money because they want to get a good return. Amen? Amen? And so they're constantly looking for opportunities, watching the stock market. Sometimes the market goes high, sometimes it goes low. Fear sometimes gripped the market, and, and everybody seems to pay attention to that. One of the things they have when it comes to money, we talk about investing, is they have this thing called a, a trader or inside trader tip. And how do we know that Jesus has given us the ultimate inside trader tip? <laughs> and the tip is that earthly things will become worthless. And only what's done for Christ will last. Let me say that again. Earthly things will become worthless. This is the traitor tip that our Jesus has given to us. And only what's done for Christ will last. First Peter says it this way. The fashion of this world is passing away. Jesus, as our great market timer, he tells us, listen to this, to transfer, to transfer our funds from earth to heaven. Does anybody in here want to know how to transfer your funds from earth to heaven? Jesus has given us the ultimate tip. John D. Rockefeller. How many of you know Rockefeller? Raise your hand. Everybody know Rockefeller. One of the richest Americans that ever walked on this planet. His death prompt a question by one of his admirers. <laughs> this admirer asked John D. Rockefeller's accountant, he says, uh, how much money did John D. leave? And his accountant had a classic answer. You know what it was? All of it. How many know that earthly things, that when you are in your coffin, that all the things that we spend so much money toward, all the stuff that one day 
It's going to be gone. You can't take it into heaven. As nice as your car is, and I know you look good sitting in that. As beautiful as your home is, you can't take it to heaven with you. So then I want to know, where do I invest my resources? Y'all didn't know that I was an investor, did you? You didn't know I was a money counselor. I didn't know that either. The Holy Spirit just dropped that right on me right here. See, there's no better place to invest one's money than in the kingdom of God. See, you can never, ever, ever outgive God. We're talking about money today. Everybody say money. money. See, today we want to really think about where do you put the bulk of your resources? What is really, really important to you? I surmise to you today that if you are a believer and you love Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God and his work in the earth should be of the utmost importance in your life. I'm not talking about it's one of the things you do. I'm not talking about it's a side thing or the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God is everlasting. Everybody say everlasting. Everlasting. The last people that should be reminded of that is you. You got the insider trader tip. See, the world, they drive around, they walk around, and they act like that this life is is all that there is, right? I mean, they spend all their time, all their resources, just trying to build it up for themselves, not even once thinking about eternity. And sometimes, sometimes, we believers, we forget that too. I mean, it's easy to get trapped into the weeds of life, and you can forget what's important. Unless you do some things on purpose, you can forget. And one day, every now and then, you need to step back, and you need to look at your priorities. Hint, kingdom priority. I believe that there are going to be many believers. I really believe this. One day when we get before the Lord, there will be many of God's own people who will be disappointed. You know that scripture in the Bible where it says in the book of Revelation that Jesus will wipe away all tears from their eyes. I believe some of the tears might be from some of the missed opportunities we had while we were here on earth. Hmm. I believe there'll be many saints that will be disappointed because they realize that they spent too much of their time and their resources into things that at the end of the day, you can't take them with you. They have no eternal value. How many know that if you are a good investor, you want the best return on your money? I'm here to tell you, Jesus, the kingdom of God, is the best return. That's why I say to you, every Sunday, we stand up here and we say, whenever you get an opportunity to give to God, you should be excited. Why? Because you're sowing into eternity, and guess what? And it tracks with you. It goes with you into the other life. Talking about the value of the kingdom. Matthew 13, 44. You got a couple of verses. Matthew 13, 34. Listen to this. Jesus giving another parable. He says, he's telling them what the kingdom of God is like. Does anybody know what the kingdom of God, want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Does anybody want to know that this morning? He said, Jesus said this. Again, listen to this, people. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which when a man found and hid, 
and for joy over it, watch this, what does he do? What does he do? He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. All right? Jesus is giving an analogy of the kingdom. He says, once a person understands the kingdom of heaven and its worth, he said, it's like a man who get a revelation and he goes and he gives up everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Why? What will possess a person to give up everything for something? Because they got a revelation of the value of the kingdom of God. But I like this one part where it says, and for joy over it. In other words, he wasn't letting his stuff go grudgingly. He wasn't looking at it thinking, oh, I really don't. No, no. It's for joy. For joy. He let it all go because he realized, I got something better. See, if some of you have been sitting here today, and it's okay to think about, it's okay to care for your needs and care for your family. How I many you know God calls us to do that? We're called to care for those things. We're called to do that. But we're also called to prioritize the kingdom of God. Don't let that escape you. Matthew 13, 46 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, look at this, seeking beautiful pearls. And all the ladies said, who then, when he had found one pearl of great price, look at this, went and sold all that he had and brought it. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you really sold out to Jesus? Are you really? Have you really come to the place where you are really completely sold out? I'm not talking about lip service. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that said that these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How many know that God looks on the what? It's a question that you need to think about. We all need to think about. Where do you spend uh, most of your resources? Matthew chapter number 6, verse 31 and 33. I want to read this verse again. We read it at the beginning of the sermon. He says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows them. Let's, let's, let's dig into this a little bit. First of all, Jesus here is really indirectly talking about money. He's implying here that money will cause people to worry. Well, Pastor, where do you get that from? Well, how many know it costs money to eat? When most people are worried about what they're going to, when most people are worried about food, they're worried about how they're going to get money to get what? Food. See? How many know clothes, food, it all costs money? Amen? How many know that where you live, it, it, it all costs money? And people are, are bogged down, and, and, and every, and, and every uh, a person that you know, particularly those who don't know God, they are consumed with just trying to make it. They're worried about the here and the now. Jesus said this. He says, all these things the Gentiles seek. Everybody say Gentiles. Gentiles is a word for unbelievers. He says, so unbelievers, here's what they're doing. 
They are consumed with food, clothing, water, where they're going to go, where they're going to live, where they're going to afford college. They're consumed with that to the point that nothing else really matters. But, you know, Jesus says something else that's kind of disturbing. He says, in verse 32, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Let me take my glasses off. Your heavenly father knows right now, some of you right now, you're financially challenged. Some of you right now, you don't really know how you're going to pay the next bill. Some of you right now, you're sitting here, you're trying to figure, God, how, how, how am I going to make it? And, and you, you're just trying to figure this thing out. And, and, and here you read in the scripture where Jesus says, your heavenly father knows. He knows for a couple of reasons. One, because if you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you've been, you've been talking to him about it. Amen? Lord, help! How many of you ever said, how many you ever said help? I have many times, trust me. I do now. I'm doing right now. I'm asking for help. But he knows also because he's God. He's, now listen to me. Church, listen to me. He says, now, all these things the Gentiles seek, all right? Gentiles, unbelievers. He said, that's what that, he said, he said, that is the capstone of how they live. He said, that's the pinnacle of their life. They're just living for the here and now. He said, you are called to a higher place. Ah, Y'all still not getting this. He said, everybody else act like that. Everybody else is overworked. That's why the Bible says, do not worry, right? Why does the Bible say, do not worry? Because you're a child of God. There's no reason why you should be sitting here worried right now. Well, pastor, well, then that's on you. Because Jesus said, do not worry. How many know that's a command? He says, because you're having a father, I already know what you need. Well, God, if you already need, you already know what I need. Why you got me on hold? Has anybody ever asked God that question? God, why do you got me on hold? Because you already know what I need. In fact, you're God. Before I even open my mouth, God, you already know. That's what he says. He already knows. He says, I already know that you have need of these things. How many know God takes care of his people? There's a lesson in the madness. He says, but here's what I want you to do. Amid your needs, listen to this. Amid your struggles, amid your troubles, amid all of that, here's what he said. But you seek first. Everybody say first. The kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, his rules, his laws, his church, his mission in the earth, his interests. He said, put his interests even above your own. God, you mean to tell me that with everything I'm going on, you just want me to be worried about the kingdom? He said, seek first the kingdom. And then he backs up, he says, and all these things will what? Be added unto you. Wow, listen to that. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. I believe that some of us 
are on hold sometimes. You know why? Because our priorities are out of whack. See, when we don't prioritize the kingdom, Jesus said it this way, if we seek first the kingdom first, everybody say kingdom first. He said, then, everybody say, then. then. He said, then I'll get all this, I'll take, I'll give, all, all these things are going to be added to you. But what many of us do is we get captivated by the moment and we forget the kingdom. We, sometimes we get mad at God. We stop serving God. We stop, we stop giving to God because we're so consumed with the cares of this life. And let me tell you, when you get there, you miss an opportunity. That's the revelation. The revelation is seek first the kingdom and all these things. How many know that God is not a man that he should lie? Oh, God. He said, and all of these things will be added. Oh. See, see, this is why that I have no problem. I used to be a little bit hesitant about this, but I'm not no more. I have no problem telling you that whatever you do, you ought to give to God first. And for a lot of folk, they get upset when you say that. And I'm going to tell you why. You, why do you get upset when we talk about giving to God, really? What are you upset about? I mean, after all, all this earthly stuff is going to dissipate, and I'm investing into the kingdom and, and, and Jesus said, if I seek first the kingdom, he said, I will add all these things to you. Here's another question the Holy Ghost have for you. Have you been putting the kingdom first? Even amid your financial troubles. I tell people, if you're having financial troubles, you should still, I don't care how much it is, you should give to God first. Seek first. The kingdom, and, and, and I mean, no, the kingdom requires resources. It's amazing people come to church, they, want, they don't want to hear nothing about money. But, you know, it costs money to do Mayfest. We had last year over, I don't know, maybe like 1,500 people over in this park. We had a lot of people. We ran out of hot dogs and everything else. Parking lot was full. I mean, cars, we had to, we had to get the, the, the folks out there to direct traffic, and we didn't even pay them to direct traffic. We had the police. Like, can you direct? Yeah. We were, just at, we were just going as we went. God bless. But how do we know? It costs resources. It costs money. Now, we're doing it because we're trying to advance the kingdom. We want people to know that Jesus loved them, we loved them, and we want them into God's family. Are anybody, is anybody with me this morning? So when we talk about giving, I, I, uh, we talk about giving, how many know that you want to always think about God first? Because Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom, I'll take care of everything else. See, so let me just talk about, simply talking about first. Y'all knew I couldn't, I couldn't get away from this one. Let's talk about tithing just for a moment. Can we say, everybody say tithing. I know some of you right now, I just felt in the spirit. <laughs> I just saw, I mean, it's amazing. I'm standing up here. It's like, I see all these doors flying up. It's amazing. I got a couple doors that I got a couple people that happy about it, but then a lot of people, okay, what are you going to say? How many know, first of all, I want to talk about the tithe just a little bit. Now, why do I want to talk about the tithe? You'll discover here in a moment. But let me explain how it works 
how we should look at it in New Testament living. The tithe is considered the tenth. Everybody say tenth. <clears throat> the tithe was instituted before the law. Everybody say before. In other words, before God commanded the children of Israel to give 10%, Abraham had already did it. Now, how many know that we are considered as Abraham's children, his seed? <laughs> Genesis 14, verses number 18 and 20. I got to move. Then Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. That's a bad name, right? Melchizedek. King of Salem brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, watch this, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and watch what Abraham did. And he gave him a tenth. A tithe of all. Why is that important to us today? Number one, because we're Abraham's seed. Number two, the spirit of the tithe was never, ever about forcing. It was never, ever about uh, giving grudgingly. It was always about worship. Worship. Abraham, nobody commanded. Abraham got no revelation. Nobody had commanded Abraham to do it. Abraham just saw Melchizedek. Now, who was this Melchizedek? I mean, let me see this Melchizedek, according to Hebrews chapter 7 3. Melchizedek was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning nor beginning of days nor end of days. But watch this. But made like the Son of God who remains a priest continually. See, now the Levitical priest. God had commanded the Levitical priest to receive 10% from the people. But how many know that Jesus is greater than the Levitical priesthood? In fact, Jesus said because of this mysterious person named Melchizedek, the Bible says in Hebrews 7.17 that Christ is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That means that his priesthood extends because of because of the power of an endless life. How many know we serve a great priest? And Abraham. So Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, his priesthood is forever. And our father worshipped him or bowed down before Melchizedek as king and Damon and then God comes along later on. God just does this. Hear me. God comes along later on, and God blesses. He makes, first of all, he makes the tithe a law. He commanded the children of Israel to give a tenth that supported the work of God, that supported the priesthood. He commanded that. But then, later on, even after that, listen to this, God blessed and sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. The tithe as holy. Everybody say holy. I want you to get that. Holy. It says in Le Le uh, Leviticus 27.30, it says, all, watch this, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's, watch this, for it is holy unto the Lord. Now, God was the one that came and he 
sanctioned that. He said the tithe is holy unto the Lord. But then God even takes it a step further. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. You get this now and try me now. Some of you done tried them now in this. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know it. You know it. He said, now try me now in this. In this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for such a blessing, watch this, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And he says this, and I will rebuke, everybody say rebuke, the devourer for your sake. In other words, Satan can't touch it. How do you know if God be for you, he's better than all the world and all the demons against you? Somebody ought to say amen to that. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So then God instituted us. First of all, Abraham, he instituted the tithe when he uh, worshipped Melchizedek, and then God comes along, and God makes it law, and then God said that the tithe is holy. And then he stuck to stick to take a step further. He says, and I will bless you. Try me now in this. Tithes and offerings. Everybody say tithes. And. And is a what? For English major. Conjunction, conjunction. What's your fun? Y'all, stop, stop, stop. You remember that? <laughs> stop. Stop. All right. Oh gosh, I had oh, uh, so so a conjunction means it's a continuation. It's part of. He said, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Hmm. He said, first there'll be food in my house. Second, the promises he promises to pour out a blessing. That there's not room enough to receive the tithe. He said, third, God says that he will rebuke the devourer for our hmm. I better, I, better, I better keep going. Okay, now, so, so now, let's talk about this thing because here's the argument I hear all the time. Y'all ready for this? Pastor, that's the old covenant. Pastor, you don't understand. Pastor, that, just, that was just something talk. That was for the children of Israel, and that's not meant for us today. Show me one scripture, man of God, in the New Testament. Just show me one scripture that requires me to tithe. And, and usually, the people that say that, they ain't asking because they're worried about us shortchanging God. They're asking because they don't want to give that much money. It's too much. You know, in the New Testament, there is no direct command to give 10%. There is none. You won't find it. You can search the scripture. Anybody find it, please let me know. You will not find it. But just because you will not find it doesn't mean that God won't bless it. Because he said the tithe is what? 
holy unto the Lord. Is there anything in the New Testament that tells us that tithe ain't holy no more? No. God, the only percentage God ever sanctified, that he said that I will pour you out a blessing that there, may not, there won't be room enough to receive, is the tithe. See, the tithe is, how many of you ever heard of first fruits? If you go back and you study your Bible, the first fruits offering and the tithe, and the tithe was two different things. But I believe that for us today, that this is the way we should look at it. You see, first of all, I'm not asking God how much more, how much less can I give him. Can anybody say amen? How many of you, listen to me, why do you want to try to shortchange God and you're worried about how much to give? How many of you know that if God said the tithe is holy, I think that there's some folk in here that want to be blessed. I can tell you right now, I'm a tither and I'm blessed. And I want to tell you, I believe tithing should be the training ground for every Christian. That's where you start. Why do I say that? Because, it, listen to me, why tithe? Listen to this. First of all, because it's holy. Everybody say holy. It's holy unto the Lord. Second, God said in his word, see, if you're giving faith, when you give your money, when you give your tithe, you give it, and you say, Lord, based on your word, I'm giving this to you, first of all, because you're holy. And God, you sanctify. I'm tithing. Not, listen to me. Not because I'm mad about it. Not because I'm angry. Not because, like, some preachers try to make people, you know, scared to death. Oh, if you don't give 10%, God is going to put a hole in your roof. And all the tires on your car are going to go flat. Listen, nonsense. <laughs> we have an opportunity to be blessed. All I'm saying to you is, you can have that attitude all you want to. You want to have that? That's good. But as for me in my house, this and Foundation Church, this is what we believe. First of all, it's holding unto the Lord. And God says he will bless it. And watch this. He will rebuke the devourer. How many know that's a good return on your investment? He also said he will help ensure, watch this, when we tithe, it helps ensure that you are consistently, this is what we're talking about, listen to this, it helps ensure that we are consistently, everybody say consistently, <laughs> investing in the kingdom and keeping it a priority. You see, you see what I'm saying there? See, if you don't give God a fixed amount, here's what I've learned as a pastor, as a man of God, and as a Christian, that if you don't give God a fixed amount of money, you will give him the leftovers. Can I ask you a question? Why would you ever want to give God leftovers? If you love God, the very first thing that you want to do, whatever you decide to give him, I make the argument for the tithe, but whatever you decide to give him, what, you need to start with that first. Why do I say that? Because it sets the pattern for blessing. It sets the pattern. You see, the tithe, not only does it help to ensure that we are consistently investing into the kingdom, but it better position the church. When I say the church, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Fulfill its mission in the earth. How many know that there's no greater mission in the earth than the spreading of the gospel, God's kingdom growing? Is it, can, anybody, can anybody agree with me on that? There's no greater mission. There's a, there's a statistical fact that the majority of Christians do not tithe. They give far less. That's a fact. I'm not making that up. They give far less. And all I'm saying is we can do so much more. Even with a small amount of people here in this church, if we were tithers, we would have so much more. I'm telling you. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. 
I look at the fun, I look at the funds. I know what I'm talking about. So instead of having an attitude, well, if you don't listen to me, if you don't want to believe in type, you don't want you you want to go along the lines, well, you know, it's just a, a, a old testament thing, then that's fine. You you stay there. But but I'm shooting for the blessing. I'm shooting for the blessing in this way. I am I know God bless the tithe, honor the tithe, call us to do it, and have me know that we should strive for that. Amen. And you should do it not out of anger, not out of madness, but you should do it because you love God. How do you know when Abraham gave that tent to Melchizedek, he did not give it. Nobody told him to do it. Nobody made him do it. He just did it. And God said, I bless it. That ought to be inspiration for you right now to start. Man, I need to figure out a way to start there and then build. Everybody say build. Yeah. But see, in order to do that, how do you know Listen to me. Listen, are y'all still with me? We're coming down. I'm about to land a plane. Because I hit you pretty hard, so I got to come on back down. Okay, here we go. But see, you can't love money. See, see how many know that Christian, we got to hold our money loosely? Amen. Now, here's what I mean by that. Um, I don't mean that you be a bad steward, because that goes against the principles of God. We are required to be good stewards of his resources. We've got to hold it loosely, meaning that we understand that God has given me stuff primarily, first and foremost, to advance his cause in the earth. Are you hearing me this morning? First and foremost. Amen. And so, so understand this. So here was the rich young ruler. Anybody know the story of the rich young ruler? Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 and 22. Go ahead and turn. I want you to see this real quick. Go ahead and turn there. Because one of the things that you need to find out is where your heart is. I believe there's a lot of people who got a heart problem. Yeah. <laughs> y'all, some of y'all, I done lost some of you, but come on back. Come on back. Breathe, breathe, <laughs> breathe. <laughs> verse number 16, look at this. Look at the Matthew chapter 19, verse number 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing? Shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Come on, somebody. What good? What, 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 what? <laughs> he said to him, Jesus said, well, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. You know what he said? Aha! You can see the anticipation in this young guy because there's a part of him that, 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 that had, a, had, a, had, a, had a self-righteousness about him because he goes on to say, he said, Jesus said this, watch this, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, honor your father, honor your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said with his chest poked out like a peacock. And all these things I kept from my youth. But watch this, he says, but, but what do I still lack? Now, I believe he asked that question. This is just my personal belief. It's not written here, so I just want to tell you. This is my opinion. So you can do with it whatever you want. I believe that deep down, he knew that there was something he was lacking. He already knew. He, says, cause he said, well, what more do I lack? And watch this. Jesus punched him right in the face. Y'all ready for this? Oh. <laughs> uh, now, you're talking about 10%. Let's try this phone for size. The young man, watch this, verse number 21. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, anybody want to be perfect, you want to be right, 
He said, watch it. He said to him, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. There it is right there. Jesus told him, go sell everything. And y'all fussing about 10%? God let you keep 90%? I mean, even if you don't agree and believe it's a new covenant thing, I mean, you're going to argue really about 10%? God told him, he said, I want you to go sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. It did, but he didn't, but, but he, if something in there you missed, he said, you get treasure in heaven. That's what he said to him. Where's your priority? He said, you come sell everything you got and get treasure in heaven. How many of you want a big account in heaven? Amen. That's the only one that's going to last. Yeah. I don't know how much money you got in the bank right now, but it don't matter. Unless you're investing in the things that go toward eternity. And Jesus said to him, what's it? Jesus said to him, Go sell everything you got, give to the poor. And what did this guy do? He said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give up everything. No, 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 no. He said, uh, did a U-turn and the brother left. And look, give up everything. He's crazy. I went hard for my mother. Too much. See, that's a lot of, now see, you laugh, but that's a lot of God's people like that. We good in a whole lot of areas. I mean, we good servers, we love God, we can worship real good, we can do a lot of things, do real good, but that one thing, usually that's that one thing that God's going to come at. That one thing for him, it was his money. And the Bible says you can't serve God and money. He walked away because God showed him something, maybe, I believe he already knew, that, that money, you love money more than you love me, and that is your master. He, see, a lot of people get upset. Here, listen to me. Hear me. Because we love our convenience and our comfort more than we love God. In some cases, hard work, but it's true. Now, I don't believe God was giving this command to everybody necessarily, but he gave it to him. You know why? Because he knew where he was. How do you know God knows where you are? Money is a tool to advance God's kingdom. Money is not a tool for us to just invest in the here and now. Listen, get your big screen TV. Get your nice truck. Get your nice, get all the, do it, but not at the expense of the kingdom. You make sure, that's why I say, see, if you tie to God, you make sure every month, God, you get, I'm, no, cause I'm, I'm crazy sometimes, God, so every month, I, this is what I do. I know, cause I know, I know me. Anybody know you, me, you know what I mean. <laughs> Lastly, Jesus says this. So, let me, let me just say this. So, so, so the question you got to ask yourself, we got to ask ourselves. Uh, you see, when Jesus comes, he lays his finger on something in your life, and he tells you that, that you got too much affection for it, too much love for it. It's really him protecting you from yourself because we're reckless. The rich young ruler, all he had to do was say, okay, I'll do it. But he walked away. There's a lot of people that hear this message today, either sitting here or by tape, and they will walk away. Sorrowful crime because they're saying, I, I can't do that. It's 10% of your money. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing 10% out there. If 10% of, of your money, is that too much to give to God? I'm just asking you, is that too much? 
It's not. Look at this. In closing, Matthew 19, Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Look at this. And where thieves break in. How many, how many know they're going to break in and steal either in this life or when you go, they're going to steal your stuff? I've seen more fights over stuff. I'm telling you, it's amazing. But lay up for yourselves, look at this, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. I, I, I wish I could. You want me to take it back? I can't. I can ask him, but probably he ain't going to listen to me on that one. That's his word. He says, word is eternal. He says, store up treasures in heaven. How many know that every penny that you invest in the kingdom is being stored in heaven? See, when you invest in the thing, in God's agenda, everybody say God's agenda. Everybody say God's agenda. It's being stored. You see, giving to the church, giving to the poor, serving others, you store up in heaven. You store up in heaven. He says, where your treasure is, so is your heart. In other words, can I put it to you in uh, ghetto terms? <laughs> this is about as ghetto as I can get. You know, I'm not ghetto, ghetto, ghetto. I'm a polished ghettoer. Uh, I'm more polished. But... Uh, um, in, other, in other words, in other words, <laughs> I, I can't say that. Um, in other words, where your treasure is, where your moolah is, <laughs> there is where your heart is also. Think about that. Here's the question. Jesus said this. I, I didn't say it. Can I say, well, I serve. I know you serve God. Yeah, I serve. And I, I, I give to God in other ways. I, you, that's great. But he said this, where your treasure is, where your money is. Watch this. There's where your heart is. How many do you know that, how many of you know that your checkbook or your statements is a reflection of what's really important to you? I don't care what you say. You can tell me I do. That's good. But, but I'm going to tell you, people ain't usually serious until they, listen, you go try to buy a house, and you don't just say, I promise to make it down. No, they want the down payment. I need to know you're serious. Pay me the down payment first. Because when you give up the money, now I know the last thing that people tend to let go of when they come into the kingdom is their what? Money. You don't, you don't know yet until you get into a place where you rearrange your life. Some of us just need to do some rearranging. I just need to rearrange my life so that I can invest more, not less, into the kingdom. Why? Because I will get a great return on my money. Great return. Now, some of us got some thinking to do. But I want you to think about this. What is really important to you? 
I know your family is important. I know your kids are important. I, I know those are, don't get me wrong, those are important. But Jesus says, if you love mother, father, sister, brother more than me, you're not worthy of me. You cannot be my disciple. The pinnacle of why we are here on this planet is for one reason. This is the only reason why you're still sitting in that chair. The only reason why you haven't been raptured out of here yet is to advance his kingdom in the earth. That's it. We are going to have moments and opportunities. This is my prop. We are going to have opportunities to give. We got Mayfest coming up. We got Easter coming up. We got a lot of things we want to do. A lot of people we want to touch. How many know it, it, it costs resources? It costs money to advance God's kingdom. I don't believe the church should be, this is me. I got a conviction on this, so don't even, don't even think about it. I don't believe the church should be funded by chicken dinners and, and, and donut sales. Our God deserves better than that. I believe the church ought to be funded by God's people that invest into his kingdom. We're going to have opportunities. I don't want you to come in here and go, oh, here they go again. Listen to me. Listen to me. How many know, you ought to know, that this is good ground. And anything that we're doing, thank you, anything that we're doing with resources here, it is to advance God's kingdom, Period. You will have an opportunity. Every week you have an opportunity to invest, to, to, to invest in God's kingdom with your money, not just with your talk, but with your money. Some of you right now, well, you say, well, Pastor, I, I can't do 10%. Well, you know what? Start with two. Start with 3%. Start with 4%. Start somewhere. But figure out a way. Hear me. Listen to me. Figure out a way, and I'm not even going to parse words. Figure out a way to give significantly into the kingdom. Don't think of how can I give less. Think of how can I give more. Rearrange your life in such a way that God is first. Not just in what you say, but it's reflected in your pocketbook. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. 